HuntStand is the most popular and functional mobile hunting app on the market. With a variety of base maps to choose from, satellite imagery that is updated every month, the ability to check the weather, no property information, and even catalog your trail cam picks, HuntStand even gives you the ability to import pins and location markers from other mobile apps. Visit HuntStand.com or download wherever you download your apps. Enter discount code SN20 at checkout for 20% off. Transform the way you hunt with the all-new base cellular trail camera connected by the Moultrie Mobile app. Moultrie Mobile's industry-best app gives you complete control over your camera settings, up-to-the-minute updates from the field, and other interactive scouting tools on your smartphone or computer. Features like weather forecast, advanced species recognition, interactive maps, and a whole lot more. For more information and to make your purchase, visit www.moultriemobile.com. All right, guys, welcome to today's show. And joining me on the show today is a guy named Dan Staten. Now, Dan runs the Elk Shape podcast, YouTube, social media channels, all of that. And he is absolutely obsessed with elk hunting. I am, I'm pumped. I mean, to say the least, I'm pumped to hop on the phone, chat with Dan, find out what he's doing to get in shape, what he's doing to stay mentally fit so that when he's out there chasing after elk in the Rocky Mountains, I mean, chasing after a wild animal with much better instincts, reflexes, physicality than what we have is a chore. And to do that day in and day out when you're having little failures here and there, when you might see elk but not have any success getting close to them, all of that can take a toll on you mentally as well. So to be able to stay in it and not let that voice in the back of your head tell you to quit or sleep in or just take it easy and not really push. I mean, this is going to be a good episode. So if if you're like me and didn't really know what to expect going out west for your first elk hunt, how to physically prepare for it, you got to tune into this one. If you just need that encouragement to be a better person, to push yourself, to not get comfortable, not get lazy, but to really like go after it with all you've got, this is the episode for you. We're going to talk all about building momentum towards being a better hunter and what that looks like. So let's jump in. You're listening to The Western Rookie, a hunting podcast full of tips, tricks, and strategies from seasoned Western hunters. There are plenty of opportunities out there. We just need to learn how to take on the challenges. Hunting is completely different up there. I've already seen 26 big game animals. You can fool their eyes, but you can't fool their nose. 300 yards back to the road turned into three miles back the other way. It's always cool seeing new hunters go and harvest an animal. I don't know what to expect. If there's anybody I want in the woods with me, it'll be you. All right, guys, welcome to today's show. And on the show with me today, I've got Dan Staten. And this guy is an elk hunter. He's a Western hunter. I see in the background, I know you guys listening can't see this, but I see racks and euro mounts and bows and i mean he's in a tank top all shredded which makes me feel a little <laughs> self-conscious i'm dude i'm getting back in the gym myself my wife was finally like dude no more dad bod get back to it so oh, i'm dang. three weeks in 20 pounds down uh dang, it's, it's looking aggressive. good for this season so uh man thanks for hopping on the show with me nice work man yeah no my pleasure uh 20 pounds in three weeks that's aggressive good job man i guess uh you're not messing around dude i i told my wife i was like listen i'm gonna do it if i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it all the way and i i mean i used to work out i used to run constantly i played ultimate frisbee in college like just for fun i'd go every night and I'm, i bet you i was running like seven eight miles a night playing that oh uh, yeah playing ultimate frisbee but I was in pretty good shape. And then as soon as my wife got pregnant with our son, I gained as much weight as she did. And then the same thing happened with our daughter and I just haven't really done much about it. So, uh, yeah, I got into a a meal program and a workout program with this guy I know from church and it's kicking my butt for sure. I think the, the eating side of it's way harder than the workout side because I'm a snacker, man. I will, I will destroy some calories in a hurry and eating the same thing breakfast lunch and dinner Uh, well i mean every day for breakfast every day for lunch you know it's that's the tough part for me yeah i mean it's tough creating those habits i literally just 
got done with my kids. I was upstairs right before we hopped on here and um, they're five and seven. And uh, I went upstairs to my son's room. They both were in there. They were watching um, YouTube. So number one, I make YouTube videos, but I don't like my kids watching uh, YouTube yeah. at all. Uh, and they know that. So I kind of blessed them. And I was like, look, today's your first day of summer. We just got back from a family vacay. Um, I was like, we're going to create new habits for this summer. What's a habit? And I was just trying to like teach them. And um, my wife's still sleeping because we got in, like I told you, I think we all went to bed at 3 a.m. last night. Uh, Our flight got delayed. So I was like, when your mom wakes up, we're going to start a new habit. And you got to do three things every day in the morning before you do whatever you want the rest of the summer. And I said, my daughter said, I'm like, you're going to have to read. You have to read a page nonfiction book of your pick if you're choosing and my son's you know he's actually just turned six so he's not really reading yet but he can't actually read so he's going to work on reading as well number two is you got to do a chore so we got to create your chore list for the week i'm going to pay you you do your chores you get paid you don't do your chores you don't get paid like and number three and this is probably me psycho but i'm like you got to do a workout like i don't care if it's like three sprints to the end of the fence and back we got a pretty big backyard or working on your pull-ups. My daughter's like, well, I can do one pull-up. I'm like, well, if you work on pull-ups, you might be able to do three by the end of the summer or five. And so they got to do three things. We're trying to create a habit for the summer. We can let them create their own habits, which will be wake up, turn on the TV and tell parents yell at you, or we can. So we're going to start that process. Now your listeners aren't five and seven years old, but you can start new habits or you can continue to do the same ones that you have, but you certainly can never expect something different by doing the same thing. And so that was pretty cool to hear that you, you know, ultimately decided to make changes and then you went all in, which I like, and that you got help. Like you, you checked your ego at the door and you got help from a, somebody, obviously a resource that could oh, carve yeah. out a pathway or a, a get you, a, you know, the blueprint. It's funny. I'm I'm a super competitive guy. I have been my whole life. And uh, my my sister in law, she got into bodybuilding and powerlifting. And she started joking with me. She's like, Dan, I'm gonna I'm gonna be able to bench press more than you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. All right, this is where we gotta stop. I'm gonna I'm gonna get back in the gym. And yeah, I just I find myself, if I don't, like you said, create those habits and I just kind of go into it and say, oh man, I'm going to try to get, I'm going to try to eat better. I'm going to try to work out more. It just doesn't end up happening. I might stick with it for five days and then I'm done. Uh, I'll, I'll miss for two weeks. And so with this, you know, it's, I mean, it's monotonous for sure. I eat, I eat the same breakfast every day. I eat a protein bar in between breakfast and lunch. It's, it's basically five high protein meals every day. And and then on top of that, working out six days a week um, with with 15 minutes of incline walking every day or 30 minutes on a stair stepper, like it's very structured. But I said, I'm not going to miss. I'm going to I'm going to do it 100 percent because I don't want to I don't want to get to the end of this eight week program and look back and go, man, I could actually be in shape. I could actually feel better right now. Why didn't I act? Why didn't I do it? Why didn't I stick with it? And so. My goal initially was to lose uh, 19 pounds, and as of Saturday morning, I had lost 18 and a half pounds. And so, I'm like, I, I'm feeling pretty good. And now I'm like, all right, I need to set a new goal because we're three weeks in, and I'm, I'm at my eight week mark. Um, what, what am I going to change now? What's my new goal? That's awesome, man. Good for you. I think um, if you wanted to slow me down. No cunning, you'd have to probably strap a 20 pound weight vest and then I put my backpack over it. And yeah. that would probably just slowly eat at me. Um, and I hunt all of September. So uh getting rid of just even 20 pounds can be such a difference maker when you're hunting. And uh that's good. You're gonna feel so much, I don't know, you're gonna recover faster, you're gonna move faster, you're gonna feel better, have more energy and um, could potentially lead to more success. It also could not lead to more success. You could probably kill an elk with an extra 20 pounds, uh, just might suck more and especially packing it out. Um, but I don't know. I, I tend to think that a prepared body 
usually pairs nicely with a prepared mind. Yeah. And that mindset is everything to me when you're hunting. Yeah. I, I feel like there's people that have that mental grit and mental toughness that no matter what, no matter what shape they're in, they're going to make it happen. But mm-hmm. I'm like, <clears throat> imagine if you had that mentality, but you were also in shape. I remember my, my first elk that I ever killed, it would be gosh, five years ago now. And we get down there. I mean, we're, we're a couple miles back. We still had uh radios or we still had radio connection to our, our other guys in the group. And it was just me and my buddy, Sean, we get back in there. I shoot this elk. We, we start processing it and we hear on the radio that his brother and his brother's buddy, Dan are going to come down and help us. Super pumped. I'm like, all right, sweet. We're quartering this thing. We're boning it out. And Shane and Dan show up and they're both 50 plus and Dan doesn't have a pack at all. Like didn't bring a pack out. And I was like, well, that's interesting. We proceed to bone this whole thing out, get it in game bags. And Dan just throws two game bags of meat, one on each shoulder and hikes back to the side by side. Nice. And I'm talking like, it's a long way. And Dan, if you looked at him, you would never think like this guy is able to do it. He beat us all to the top, man. And I'm like, geez, I'm getting beat at 30 years old or late twenties by a 50 plus year old dude that doesn't even have a pack frame. And he just, he just bared down and did it. And you know, I mean, I owed all of them one, uh, I became the beer guy all night at camp. That's kind of how it works at elk camp for us. If you shoot one and people help you, you just go and get a beer for them whenever they want it. Um, some guys there don't drink at all. So I just go and get Cokes or waters or whatever they need. But yeah, there's, there's something about like the mental toughness, but if you compare that with being physically fit, it, there's no substitute. Yeah, no, they pair nicely for sure. Especially, uh, elk hunting, um, you know, it's a, it's a very physical endeavor. Um, it's never not going to be a physical endeavor just based on the animal's behavior, their biology, uh, the terrain that they live in. Um, yes, they were prairie animals and in some areas they still are, but majority of them have, um, taken up home in the mountains where, um, you and I do not live year round, including winters. And, uh, they seem to have a little physical advantage having four, uh, four legs to R2, um, they weigh six to 800 pounds um, and they make a living off grass and browse. Um, they know where to get water and they know where to get cover and they know how to move and avoid or evade predators, bears, wolves, cougars, us. Uh, yeah, they got, they got things going for them and physicality is definitely a prerequisite to, to elk hunting. So I think, I think people understand that, but maybe they don't completely understand it till they go do it yeah yeah i definitely would have been in that camp you know being from the midwest whitetail hunting from a tree stand i just never really thought about it luckily i had lived in colorado for about a full year before i went up to the mountains and elk hunted and so uh like being acclimated it it kind of happened but definitely not fully you know i was huffing and puffing a lot more than the other guys even though I was in decent shape at that time, what did that look like for you your first year? I mean, did you go out there elk hunt, maybe not as prepared as you should have, and then came back and said, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to get in better shape for next year, or I'm going to be more prepared next year. Or did you have a pretty good game plan going into your first hunt? My first elk hunt, I was 20 years old or me 19, 19, maybe. Yeah, no, I was my 19. I think when I killed an elk with a rifle, um, and I hunted for five minutes, we just got straight up lucky. We found elk, called them in, killed them, uh, with rifles in Washington, which is a terrible state to elk hunt. Um, on the, I'm, um, on the East side of Washington. So Washington divides the state in half East side, West side tag. I got a East side over the counter elk tag, went to some public land. My dad and I, I got a bull killed five minutes, um, packed it out whole. That's a story for another day, but, um, <laughs> You know, the first year of archery elk hunting was the next year because I found out elk are badass, man. They, they bugle in September. Uh, you can use a bow. I've always wanted to shoot bows. 
uh, bought a bow, went out with my uncle who had elk hunted. We tore it up, man. Like um, I hunted the whole, I think the almost the entire season in Idaho, first year out. Um, got so close so many times, made so many mistakes, um, failed, failed. I mean, my personality is like, I don't follow my own advice. My, my advice would be to set clear and concise objectives of what a successful outcome is to you for where you're at on your journey. So a proper goal for me would have been like, hey, man, like hunt the Idaho backcountry, like survive, thrive, do well, get the right gear, learn how to navigate, learn how to read maps better. Don't get lost. Don't be afraid of the dark. Um, learn how to call better. See if you can call an elk in, have some elk encounters, maybe even get like under 50 yards to an elk. Like those would be really good things to learn my first archery year at elk hunting. But I was under the impression like it was killing elk or you're a freaking failure. So I failed uh, under my guidelines of expectations at that time as a 20 year old. And then I failed, failed, failed. Took me five seasons to kill an elk with a bow. But without those five years of failure, I would not have started this thing called elk shape that I do now full time. You know, I would have just been like, oh, this is just like rifles, just easy. I don't need to prepare that much. I can pick my bow up out of the case in August, fling a few down range, grab my gear, go, go kill an elk. No. And so every year I didn't kill an elk. I got even more determined to like flip over every rock and figure out what it is that, where are my chinks in my armor? Like, what do I suck at? What do I need to, where's the most opportunity to work on? Um, and fitness was definitely one of those things, but that was more low hanging fruit. I've always been um, some sort of fitness coach or personal trainer to some degree since I was 18. So fitness wise, um, I, I was okay. I was probably packing around too much muscle, which actually is a thing. You know, I'm not very tall. So I used to walk around about 185, um, pretty dense, pretty full of muscle. I bet I haven't broke 160 since 2008. Um, wow. You, just because I completely changed the way I trained no more isolation, no more chest day on Mondays. Today's Monday. We're as a, we are recording this. There are people listening that are like, Oh, Monday. Yeah. Chest day. That's fine. If that's what you want to do, but that's not going to like, like there's nothing in the mountains where I just use my chest ever. I never use any muscles by themselves. So I started like gravitating more towards total body workouts. Um, more high intensity conditioning pieces, more interval based, uh, monostructural stuff really started varying my training to where I just mixed it up so much, really tightened up my, my body fat really hasn't been above 10% over a decade. And that's not to impress anybody. That's just a combination of consistency, continuity, good nutrition, and the style of training. Now, am I going to be a guy that, um, does body part training probably not maybe a little just fun but like not worried about the size of my chest i'm not worried about the size of my arms uh, or how much i can curl i'm very concerned with can i run a six minute mile can i deadlift over 400 pounds can i back squat close to 400 pounds and can i do a uh, high intensity metabolic conditioning those are like boxes I want to check even at age 40 yeah. uh, because I want to be prepared for the known and unknown. And ultimately I want to be limitless in the mountains. So to answer your question, yeah, man, my, I did have to tweak my fitness for sure um, to gear more towards performance versus aesthetics. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I feel like I've had that mentality in the past and elk hunting was never, I mean, for a long time was never a priority for me. You know, I, I would have had to drive a long ways, get out of state tags, knew nothing about it. Um, and it wasn't until I, I moved out to Colorado that I really realized how accessible elk hunting is for everybody. Even if you are a non-resident, like there's plenty of places that you can go get a tag over the counter. And so, um, but all growing up, I wanted to be, I I never wanted my workouts or my physical 
shape, I guess, that I was in to hinder my ability to play sports, whether it was basketball or football or ultimate Frisbee or, you know, whatever. And so all of my training, it was geared around that stuff. You know, I wanted to be more athletic than I did a bodybuilder. And uh, now looking at it, I'm like, hey, even even now, I'm in that same position that that you're in as far as I don't I don't need to isolate certain muscle groups. I don't need the biggest arms, the biggest chest, but I want to be in good shape when I go out and hunt. I don't want to be the guy at the back of the group holding everybody up. I don't want to yeah. I don't want to draw a once in a lifetime moose tag or mountain goat or bighorn tag and you know basically kill myself to get in shape last minute for it. I'd rather consistently be in that position so that when opportunities arise, I can just go out and tackle them right away. Yeah, that's kind of that limitless vibe. You know, yeah, the, I think people probably understand to some degree that it's a physical endeavor. Um, and they're pretty good, like, I'll say, like, and if you haven't elk hunted yet, this won't make as much sense. But, like, in my opinion, everyone's really good for, like, the first three days. Like, that's almost like, not that hard to do guys. I'll be honest. It's not that hard to be an all-star in the mountains for three days, even at altitude, even with a pack that's heavy, even when like you do all these miles and get very little sleep, maybe you don't eat the best. Um, but day four comes around. That usually is the, um, the fork in the road, to be honest with you, where that sleeping bag becomes extremely cozy getting up in the dark, you feel like you just went to bed. Uh, your body's like, what is going on? You're not, you're not physically prepared. You're not mentally prepared for that yet. And that's where people can slow, slowly start to slip. The shortcuts become more attractive. Um, shortcuts like an extra 30 minutes of sleep or shortcuts like to get the wind actually proper, we have to gain a thousand vertical feet right now to, to loop around to get on those elks level. Um, but I think we can risk the biscuit. You know, we can take an ink. No, you got to like, so these like shortcuts start becoming attractive and you start like making not the best decisions, um, potentially even going back to camp to take a nap um, and not hunting your hardest because I'm here to tell you September's finite. It comes and goes. And someone like you, uh, where do you live? Oklahoma? Missouri. Missouri. Okay. You ain't getting to Colorado in six hours. No. All right. And you don't have unlimited amount of time in September because I just told you it was finite. So you got 24, 30 hours of windshield time on the front end, back end. And that's assuming you know exactly where you want to be. And you're assuming that there's going to be no other hunters there and that the elk are going to play ball the entire time you're there. You're not going to have to move spots. Yes, you will. You'll have to change spots guaranteed. Um, Weather could screw you over for a day or two. Your buddy could wound an elk and you spend an extra day and a half looking for that elk. Um, your 10-day hunt ain't 10 days, man. You're like, it's three or four really good days, maybe. Yeah. And out of those three or four really good days, you might have like one bugle fest. And that fest could be five minutes, 50 minutes. Uh, there's a lot of downtime in elk hunting. So um, I don't know. Don't pay attention to what you see on YouTube even though I'm a guy who's almost a YouTuber kind of don't pay attention to us. Don't pay attention to the social media. Like what you see highlight reels like that's, that shit's fake. Elk hunting's got like 23 hours of non awesomeness for maybe one good hour or in that one good hour, maybe 10 minutes of the rest of the time you're elk hiking, man, you're, you're surviving in the mountains. You're fighting yeah. off the ravishes of fatigue, duress, stress, sleep deprivation, um, and I'm not trying to be, I'm not being dramatic. I'm just literally being objective and telling you, Hey, this is what you can expect. It's still, all that crap is still worth it to me. So that's why I, I train for it because man, when that all finally comes together and it can come together quick, it could be the crappiest hunt of your life. And in five seconds, it all could change. And if you just remember that you'll stay in the game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're right. There's a window of opportunity. Like elk hunting isn't year round. Uh, no, there's no hunting season aside from maybe coyotes that you can do all year long. And so when you have these opportunities, especially if you're traveling a long way, you've got a lot of money 
and time invested into it. You know, you're, you're leaving your wife and your kids for nine, 10 days to get out there and then have a bunch of limits that you could have dealt with on the front end by preparing better, by getting in better shape, by becoming more mentally strong. Like it, you're just going to do yourself a disservice and you may not go back. That's what, that's what people need to understand. Like you could have a bad enough time to where you don't want to go back out or you could set yourself up and know that you gave it your all and you still might not have success, but you know, you've done everything you could and you're going to want to come back and conquer it the next year. So what I know you had hit on a couple of your kind of checkpoints that you want to be able to do a six minute mile, uh, 400 pound deadlift, things like that. Are there, are there things mentally that you are doing every day or like, checkpoints where you can become more mentally strong or mentally fit to, I guess, eliminate any quit that you might have in, in the back of your mind? Okay. Yeah. Um, well, let me back up. So the, the 400 pound deadlift and the six minute mile, Hey, there are guys listening that can run a six minute mile in their sleep. There are guys that can pick a 400 pound barbell off the ground effortless. The reason why I say things like that is that because they're completely opposite of each other. There's not a lot of people that can run a six minute mile and at the end of that six minute mile, go pick up a 400 pound barbell. So the reason why I put those on the far ends of each other is because that is kind of the sweet spot for me, maybe not for your listeners, where that's a well-rounded fitness approach where I'm not a specialist. I'm not a specialist that does powerlifting meets. And I just, you know, squat bench dead or Olympic weightlifter, clean and jerk snatch or a CrossFitter and compete for the CrossFit games or a bodybuilder or just an ultra distance, like an ultra marathon runner. Like I would like to be able to do all those things mentioned and more, including play ultimate Frisbee with you and be able to walk the next day fine and not have my hip flexors and my hamstrings torn because I sprinted after a Frisbee for hours. Like I want to be prepared for eventualities, all of them. And so in order to do that, I think a well-rounded cross-training style of of fitness seems to be the sweet spot for many of us elk hunters. And so that's what I preach. Um, If you were to distill it down to mental toughness, I don't think you're born and bred with it. I do think some people are tougher mentally than others. And I, and I give you a fist bump, like, good for you. I am not one of those. Now I am wired differently than a lot of people. And I've come to find that out by people telling me that, dude, you're a different cat. Um, And that's fine. But I am a very driven, disciplined, almost to a fault to where there are boxes that I will check every day. So Dan, I'm going to shoot my bow today. I have been on vacation with my family for the last six, seven days seven days. So I haven't shot my bow in seven days. There's probably not going to be a day between now and September where I don't shoot my bow. Uh, and there, and I made an excuse where I couldn't, I'm not going to bring my bow to Southern Utah on my family's vacation trip, but year round I shoot and it's a daily thing. And it's just a mindset of like, no excuses, six arrows a day minimum. That's it. Six arrows a day minimum and six good arrows, six good shots, good, six well-executed. And we can go a whole podcast on what that actually means, but to, to stay in my lane, discipline and then fitness. Like I am going to do this podcast with you. I'm going to catch up on emails and then I'm going to eat breakfast and I'm going to go work out afterwards. I'm going to train every day. Literally almost every day I'm training, doing, I'm not exercising. I'm training for elk hunting because that's what my focus is. I'm not training to compete at CrossFit anymore. I'm not training to be as big as pot. Like I am training for elk hunting. And why do I, I do these workouts that absolutely suck and they're difficult. And these workouts make me want to quit. I try to renegotiate the workout because no one else is in my gym, but me. And I can be like, well, Instead of five rounds, maybe I should just do three or, you know, that little things like that. I love, I live for the little voice. It's the little bitch voice that we all have inside of us. That's trying to negotiate with me in the middle of a workout. Like that is the same voice that's going to try to tell you to not 
get a thousand feet vertical to get the wind right or to get out of bed on day four to sleep in a little or to go back to camp and take a nap. That is the little voice that is trying to sabotage your whatever it is you're trying to accomplish. And so I just try to get reps at turning that volume down on that little voice. That is how I've created that mental toughness that I try to take with me when I'm elk hunting. Man, that's good. I, I feel like lately in the hunting world, I mean, I know Cameron Haynes just had a book come out endure. Uh, I have not read it yet, but there's a lot around the mental toughness side of not only being out in the woods or being out on the mountain hunting, but also just in your everyday life. And one thing I heard, and I wish I could remember who I heard it from, it was probably a year and a half ago. And they were talking about every day doing something that you don't want to do that's beneficial for you. And it, it's not necessarily like going out of your way to make yourself uncomfortable. Um, but I've got, I've got friends that talk to me all the time about um, taking cold showers or taking a cold bath or doing like a cold plunge every day. And they're like, it, it builds that mental toughness. You know, you're never going to wake up wanting to do it. You're never going to want to turn the shower all the way on cold, not touch the hot side at all, and just, you know, be uncomfortable in there. But there's something about the mental toughness. Or it could be as simple as making your bed every day. Uh, but having checkpoints that you don't compromise on, like you said, every day, you know, you're getting in the gym, you're shooting six good arrows a day. There's, there's certain things that you can build in habits and repetition that will help you become more mentally tough. And I love, I love what you said there, like the, the little bitch voice. It's so true. Everybody has it. And I, it's, it's like, you've got a great hunter on one shoulder and they're like, dude, let's go, let's go, let's go. And then you've got a hunter that's probably laying down on your other shoulder. Like, man, I'm tired. I don't want to glass anymore. I don't want to hike anymore. I want to go back to camp and sit by the fire. Um, to have that in mind that you're just trying to quiet that voice with every, with every part of your training. That's a pretty cool, that's a pretty cool analogy and something that I'm going to use moving forward. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm still battling the devil angel on my shoulders when it comes to, to fitness and eating clean, eating clean, especially after dinner, man, nighttime's the worst for me. Like I'm always a little bit hungry before I go to bed. Um, and that's the difference between staying lean and mean and, and not getting a little soft is after dinner, bullshit food, um, making excuses, that kind of stuff. And I don't know, like all my workouts, all of them always have like a crux to them where it's like, this is your opportunity to take in some punishment and do well with it or to wave the white flag, to fold your cards. And uh, if you're not putting yourself in those positions, um, you potentially could be limiting your potential. Let's just say it that way. And I would hate for you to have any regrets if you set such a high bar to go elk hunting, kill your first elk, and to come home completely defeated and humbled um, because you didn't prepare. I certainly... That happened to me and I used it as fuel and I would invite anyone who does go get their teeth kicked in in the Elk Mountains this year for the first time to treat it as a blessing and treat it as fuel year round. Because quite honestly, most people don't have a year round approach right now. I'm not impressed if you're like ramping it up for elk season and you just started like good for you. Um, but what kind of trajectory do can you do the second elk season winds down, especially you whitetail hunters, because I love whitetail hunting and it is a freaking grind. It is a do your job, get in the stand as much as possible. It's like, how many hours can you punch like clock in to get that deer killed and everything gets sacrificed, your sleep, your exercise, your work, you eat a lot of gut rot gas station food. I mean, it is like, a grind, 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 grind. And then it's like winter comes and it's like, it sets you up to be a chubby bunny in the winter. And it's a long winter. So if you could make it through elk season 
and then make it through whitetail season and continue to stay. I mean, it's just harder to stay in elk shape than it is to get into elk shape. I guess that's what I'm really trying to say yeah. to your audience is like, find your why and stay in elk shape. Don't do the yo-yo, get in, get out. Like, especially for you, like right now, Dan, like down 23 weeks, like going to go into the fall lean I mean fighting machine. Just bottle up how good it feels right now. Yeah. And don't forget it because whitetail hunting is not conducive to staying in shape. It's just not a lot of daylight. There's not a lot of time to work out. There's a lot of alarm clocks and it's just tough to stay in shape, eat clean and get workouts and be effective whitetail hunter uh, during the rut. And then it sets you up for winter and it really, I get it and it's tough. So bottle up how you feel now and remember that for later. Yeah. Luckily I'm a, I'm a pretty results driven guy. And so when when I do all this hard work and I, I see the results that I want, it's, it's not as easy for me to just turn around and start drinking crap that I shouldn't be or eating, right. eating junk food all the time. I realize, like, dude, I just put in a ton of hard work and I know I I've seen it with other people. You can undo eight weeks of hard work in about two weeks. If, if you just completely fall off the wagon or quit training or, you know, turn your back on what you just did. And I refuse to be that guy. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I told my wife, I'm like, this is going to be the new normal. It's not an eight week program. Like the eight week program is just what I signed on for with that guy, but this is going to be a new lifestyle because if I get to 50 and you know, I'm 250 pounds, it's going to be a whole lot harder to get down to the one 80, 190 mark. Yeah. Every, every year it's going to get harder. And so, yeah, trying to, trying to be in shape and, and be training constantly for it. Um, but you're right, man, whitetail hunting, it's, it's easy bringing little snacks out here and there instead of something healthy, um, sitting for long hours. But I, I also think that you can go the opposite route with whitetail hunting because there's a lot of people doing it now. You look at the hunting public guys, I find myself being, being a lazy whitetail hunter. I go back to what's comfortable, what's normal, where I know I've seen a big whitetail in the past or, or killed one in the past. Instead of pushing myself to try new things, to go new places, uh, this year I'm going to try to saddle hunt and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try some water access spots on public land. And so I just want to continue to push myself, continue to be a student of hunting as a whole. Um, but... We'll see how it all turns out. I, I want to ask you, so you you implemented a lot of stuff. I know you've kind of been a student of fitness for a long, long time, but you said you went five seasons without shooting an elk with your bow. Is that right? Yeah, I believe it was five. 2006 is the very first year I killed a bull with a bow. And 2002, yeah, fall of 2000 is when I killed my first elk with a rifle picked up a bow in 2001 and I elk hunted my ass off. And then it took me till 2006 to finally get it done. Wow. What I know earlier you had mentioned that you, I guess, continued to ramp up training and figure out how you could get in better elk shape. Um, as, as you had those tough years chasing after elk, what does it look like since then? Uh, have you continued to find, success figure it out um have you have you become more consistent with how many animals you harvest each year well in 2006 no one ever criticized me for killing too many elk in a season and in 2000 2022 i have been criticized for killing multiple bulls with a bow um on the internet um and so I laugh at that, but, uh, it's yeah. Consistency is the cornerstone for me. Having elk in the freezer year in, year out is my why, why I do it. Uh, it's chiseled in stone. I'm not like looking to kill. No, don't get me wrong. I want to kill big bulls. I've killed some great ones, but I really want elk meat in the freezer. I love elk meat. And, um, I don't know, man, I've killed anywhere between two to three bulls a year. I don't even know over 10 years. I don't know. Since 2006, I haven't not killed an elk in the archery season. Uh, and majority of those seasons I've killed at least two bulls 
in different states. Um, and it's just that learning curve sucks. It's not like I am some great elk hunter. It's just that I have a lot of experience and time. Time is definitely something you need for archery. And man, it's, it's a learning curve. That's all it is. It's just working your way through that learning curve, like anything. And, um, do I know it all? No, that's what I love about elk hunting is like, I have not killed an elk in 2022. The slate is wiped clean. And that is like my approach. I don't rest on laurels of past success or this, that, the other. I'm as hungry to kill an elk this year as I've ever been. And I've done it 30 something times. I'm, I'm a rookie. I'm a noob. I'm going into it with that mindset. I'm going to give it everything I got. I'm going to prepare, 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 and then I'm going to go execute. So um, I love how it feels to walk up on a public land over the counter elk tag bull that you just killed. And it took everything you had in you to do it. Uh, That feeling does not get old. And then just understanding that that is my food for the year. And for the record, yes. I do eat at least two elk a year. My family and I, elk is on the menu all the time. And um, I killed two bulls last year. We are, I will be out of elk meat before September 1st. And so uh, I've heard that, those kind of things. And um, I don't pay attention to it, to be honest with you. My friends tell me, and I'm like, whatever. But I'm very much in love with elk hunting and the whole process. And I try to bend and leverage it to create a better lifestyle for myself. And that's literally the synopsis of what elk shape is, is we just leverage elk cunning to create a better version of ourselves. Yeah, that's, that's cool, man, that you've taken everything uh, or a lot of things in your life and, and really geared them around elk hunting, uh, eating, eating healthy, you know, training for it. And then I like what you said, how you're just as hungry this year to go out and get an elk as as you ever have been and you're looking at it as a as a new year you know new elk that you're chasing after um as a hunter i get the i get the feeling of you get an elk down you get it packed out by the time you get back to camp or at least for me i get back to camp and i'm already looking forward to the next time i go out it's not like oh it's it's over you know i'm not i'm not getting bummed I'm already getting excited for the next season or the next hunt or the next day. If you have a cow tag or a mule deer tag on top of that. And, um, yeah, there's something about it that just keeps, keeps pushing. Uh, do you have, do you have any hunts that you're looking at in the future? Um, maybe new States that you're wanting to go for elk or different species. I know that, I know that mountain goat seem mountain goat and doll sheep both seem to be pretty high on people's lists, like the physicality of it, the new terrain. Um, there's just a lot to it chasing animals that high up on a mountain. Uh, have you thought about any of those? Yeah. I mean, a little, not a lot. Um, I'm pretty much sold on elk hunting. I have, I've archery killed a mountain goat before um, in 2014. And that was epic. I loved it. I loved the whole experience. But uh, I mean, I'm certainly not going to hire an outfitter in Canada or Alaska to go do it. Um, it's just not that important to me. Um, I do have a hierarchy of hunts. And the main one that I want to do is like Alaska brown bear, like a coastal archery. I don't want to use a rifle. I want to hunt big brown bears, not grizzlies you know, brown bears on the coast, Kodiak, somewhere like that. Um, that's an expensive hunt, man. Like if you look it up, it's multiple thousand dollar bills. And so it just depends on like that's, and then everything else underneath that is, is elk hunting for me. Like I sheep, I don't want the sheep bug. Uh, I love sheep country, but I don't want the sheep bug, man. I just don't, don't need that in my life. Um, elk hunting scratches that itch for me, provides so much fulfillment for me that, uh, and, and sheep don't bugle, man. They just, mountain goats don't bugle. They live in beautiful places and I get it, but mule deer, all that stuff. Like I've hunted a lot of different species. In fact, I haven't done the number crunching of how many 
of the North American 29, but I would be pretty close, at least halfway um, as far as different species. Um, and that's not a goal, by the way, like I could care less about that, but elk is the thing that scratches my itch and I can't get enough. I, I'm a, I'm a fiend for elk hunting and elk bugles. And, and so, yeah, man, nothing but maybe brown bear. And uh, we'll see that that could be, that's kind of a pipe dream, but I definitely am advertising to myself that I want to do that someday. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... <clears throat> Have you completely uh, abandoned rifle hunting or do you still use a rifle every now and then when you go after elk? Yeah, no. So I'm a bow hunter through and through. I do have a custom rifle that I built with a buddy specifically for killing wolves. Like that's it. Uh, There's a lot of wolves where I elk hunt. And the, the reason I, and I'm a member of a couple foundations that support like wolf management foundation for wildlife being the number one to where i literally only practice with the rifle so that i can maybe potentially kill a wolf and save a lot of elk so it kind of comes full circle but no i'm an i'm a bow hunter that's all that's the i don't have any interest in shooting anything other than a wolf with a rifle okay and then i guess the next part of that question is since i mean everything seems to revolve around elk hunting even your desire to kill wolves with a rifle to increase the elk population or to reduce predation on elk um are there are there any new destinations or locations that you have yet to hunt that you want to go after elk uh have you i guess has it mainly been rocky mountain elk or have you branched out into any of the other subspecies yet Oh yeah. So like Rosie's are in my state that I live yeah. in. I live in Washington. Oh yeah. Um, I haven't hunted them ever. So maybe I'll get to doing that. It just hasn't really, it just hasn't been something that's been calling my name. I haven't been attracted to it. Um, California Thule. I've, I've never put in, I don't, it's not even on my radar. Uh, I like those Yellowstone elk, those Rocky um, elk. As far as like, places i have not drawn um the elk tag that i've wanted in utah and i'm sitting on 16 points or 16 years of putting in and i may never draw it to be honest um i've hunted new mexico handful arizona a handful uh, i even drew nevada once um i'm trying to think what state i haven't I got a lot of points in Colorado, but I have hunted Colorado, like over the counter stuff. But um, no, man, like I've pretty much been there. There's, I have never elk hunted in Oregon. So there's a, there's a, there's a surprising one. Oregon's like literally two and a half hour drive. Um, I haven't hunted Oregon for whatever reason, but uh, I guess I'm waiting for Utah. I do like Utah. They do a good job. They definitely limit non-residents. Um but uh trying to think, man. No, I mean, I'm happy hunting over-the-counter blue-collar style elk hunts all day, every day, competing with guys like you yeah. on crappy, overcrowded spots. Like, I love it. It's a grind. It's not easy. Uh, shooting a freaking rag bull on a hunt like that, very rewarding. So, um, no, man, I just want to be elk hunting. Depends on, doesn't really matter where, as long as it's decent, you know, where the elk are talking at least a little, I'm happy camper. When, when you do go to those public land spots where, you know, you are competing with everyday average Joes, what, what's your strategy to set you apart from them? Or, I mean, are you putting a big focus on just, you know, working harder, getting farther back in, or what, what does that look like for you when you go and hit the ground? Everybody's working harder to get further back in. So I'm a, I prioritize the commodities of energy and time and I don't overcommit. So if there's a basin that's, I don't know, 12 miles back in, but all you get is one basin. That's a lot of gambling of commodities. Like it's going to take you a long time to get there. It's going to cost you a lot of energy. You get back there and there's three Cameron Hayne juniors already in there and they're set up and hunting it hard. They read the book in Dur. They're in there 
bumping elk around or whatever. It's not very, that's not very smart. Um, no. I don't mind elk hunting with other elk hunters when they're good, when they're really good elk hunters in there, it's almost like an advantage because they're not going to get winded. They're probably going to work those elk, keep them talking. Um, I've had that happen before where I've been in basins with people that are just good at elk hunting and everybody's kind of setting up off each other. No one's like walking all over each other and someone's going to kill an elk. That's cool. Um, but to me, no, I don't overcommit. In fact, I'm almost like non-committal. I hardly hunt the same elk every day. Uh, and if I do, I'm hunting them probably more like a whitetail hunter in the sense that I'm trying to ambush um, versus call them in. Um, yeah. One thing that I just call way less than I used to, um, there's just way more hunters than there used to be and um, way more archery elk hunters. So I just call way less. I do a lot more glassing. Um, I grind it out. Um, physically, sure. Like I can do hunts that most other people can do, but I can do them on repeat versus maybe having a rest day or an easier day or hiking out. The other things I do is I don't, I hunt till dark. Even if it's six miles from the truck, I hunt till dark, then I hike out. A lot of guys don't do that. Majority don't. In fact, majority of guys start hunting their way back to the truck. I love that. Keep doing that, guys. That's I appreciate that because <laughs> those last five, 15 minutes, you know, are very sexy, good thermals, good wind. Uh, elk are fairly vocal, fairly predictable. Those are good opportunities. And then the walk of shame, you know, I'm a professional at walking out in the dark. And that's it's the walk of shame. And uh, lots of time to think about whatever or lots of time to strategize for the next day as well as pitch night bugles on your way out, locate different elk for the next day, hear bugles, see where they're coming from, where are they going, are they rutting, how many bulls are in that herd, Who that little satellite bulls up there talking smack, I like that, noted, you know, um, middle of the night bugling, night bugling, a lot of guys don't, a lot of guys say they do it, but I actually do it, literally wake up in the middle of the night, drive roads, four-wheeler, dirt bike, e-bike, truck, ridges hike send out locator bugles um full moons not afraid to get up on a ridge and glass in the middle of the night um not afraid to to not go after elk because they're just not in a good spot i'm not afraid to walk away from elk knowing that i've already kind of boogered it and that i need to put them on ice i think a lot of guys would never do that they're like we've only we found elk we got to pound them every day day after day. Well, I'm here to tell you your odds are going down every time they're getting hip to you. Um, so yeah, like we could do a 17 hour podcast on all the thing, all the nuance with public land elk hunting. Um, and I certainly don't have it all figured out, but I definitely have this ever expanding playbook. Like I don't run the same play. If they're, if I need a bugle and challenge bugle and I'm doing it and I love it. Rup fest. If I'm doing cold call setups where you are literally in an area where the elk signs undeniable, but they're not talking and you do cold calls where you literally just set up and hope that they come in quietly. I've had that work. I've had, I'll hunt elk out of a tree stand. I'll hunt them out of a ground line, a pinch point. I'll sneak into their bedroom. I'll bubble hunt them. I mean, the, the more my playbook grows, the more I think I have to offer each and every day out there. Man, that's awesome to hear. I love when I talk to people who, I mean, you definitely, you're training all year long for it. You're getting out there and you're not set on one thing because you know how it is. The elk could be in a different spot. The wind's going to be different. The weather is going to be different. There's going to be a different amount of elk. It's going to be a different part of the rut. And so the fact that your, your playbook is ever evolving and you're constantly adding to it. I love hearing that from guys. Um, I think I think this is awesome, man. And I think the listeners are going to take a lot away from it, uh, both the mental, the physical, the strategy side of it. Uh, but I want to give I want to give you a chance. If there's one thing that you could tell the listeners before we hop off the podcast, uh, just to get them, I don't know, maybe fired up or or convinced, like, hey, you need to be training year round. What would you tell them? Okay. So this is my opportunity to, to motivate. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
I don't believe in motivation. I believe it to be a false prophet. I believe it to lie to you. <clears throat> I'm not motivated. Most days I'm not motivated, but I am, you know, building momentum. So let's just focus on the word momentum versus motivation. Like you have built three weeks of momentum, Dan. That is powerful stuff. And that momentum builds on itself like a snowball. It's certainly, you're going to screw this up, Dan. At some point, you're going to cheat. You're going to miss a gym day. You're yep. going to not, you're going to succumb to the little voice. And it's not if, it's just when. It's an eventuality that will happen. What will you do the day after you blow your diet and don't work out? Are you going to fold the cards and be like, F it, I'm just going to fall back into my old ways? Or are you going to 180? It's not about those guys who get motivated and get a bunch of workouts in. Like that's that's not impressive to me. What's impressive is those real life guys that like have ups and downs, but from a macro view, a bird's eye view, they're consistently chiseling away and slowly building this trajectory that's going to help them live and lead their best life ever, where they become the best Dan the best Dan at podcasting, I'm talking about this Dan who's hosting this right now, the best Dan who's his best husband, dad, provider, leader, teacher, employee, employer. Like to me, that's what I want to see for you guys listening is, yeah, El Cunning's cool, but do whatever you got to do to leverage it or whatever you want to leverage to become the best version of yourself. You get one shot at this life and I want you to not rely on momentum. I'm sorry, motivation. I want you to lean on momentum and keep building it to set up that trajectory so that you can be doing whatever you're passionate about the rest of your life and do it well. Man, that's awesome. I appreciate it. I appreciate everything you, you stand for as far as like even the, the, false profit of momentum versus actually or false profit of motivation versus building momentum. Uh, there's, there's a lot of things that I'm going to take away from this. And I hope there's even more that the, the pot, <clears throat> excuse me, the podcast listeners take away from this. Um, before we, before we jump off, I want to give you an opportunity to share where people can go and find you where they can follow along on YouTube, on social media um, so that they can continue to get, these, these bits of wisdom and uh, this encouragement to, to become a better version of themselves and a better hunter. Well, thanks for having me, man. Um, yeah, it's just at Elk Shape, whatever platform you're into. I put a lot of energy behind YouTube and Instagram. Um, and we have a podcast as well. But um, that at the end of the day, I'm not trying to sell you anything but hard work. I just want to sell hard work and uh, I want you to build momentum. That's awesome, man. Well, I definitely appreciate you hopping on with me and I look forward to following along, seeing, seeing how this season goes for you. Um, it, it's just always cool to find other people who are just as passionate and in your case, even more passionate about elk hunting than I am. I, I get passionate about a lot of weird things like frog gigging, uh, or chasing after squirrels or rabbits, but elk hunting is definitely one of those growing passions. So Thanks for hopping on and uh, good luck this year, man. Thank you, man. And that is going to wrap it up for today's show. I hope you guys are pumped up. I hope you guys are ready to go out and just take on this season. Not only once you're out there, but in preparing for the season. I, I definitely have a new level of desire to stay in shape, to build myself up, to better myself, and keep that routine going day in and day out all throughout the year. Uh, and I'm going to go on. I feel, I know he doesn't like the word motivated. Maybe we're going to use the word inspired. I feel inspired to just like push and to keep building that momentum that he talks about and to not let that voice in the back of my head tell me to quit but to make that voice as quiet as possible through routine, through good habits and choices. And man, I just can't wait now. I'm, I'm super excited. I'm Jack to go chase after elk this year. It's going to be an awesome one. 
and there's a lot of cool stuff coming up. I mean, we're about a month away. No, holy cow, we're not a month away. I don't know why I felt like we were a month away. We're like 10 days away from frog gigging here in Missouri. I know that has nothing to do with Western hunting, but there's little little victories, right? When you're chasing after things like frogs and doves and ducks and geese and deer that, that kind of start to happen and it's really kicking off the fall already here at the end of June. So hopefully you guys are looking forward to all that stuff. Hopefully you guys are training and not just getting in there and working out here and there, but to get in that mindset of training to, to make yourself the best version of yourself you possibly can. That is what it's all about. So until next time, get out there and chase a new adventure.